My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. All right, guys, so here you are. You know why you're here. You're 40-plus, you're a gay man, and many of you are still single. And you're wondering, what the hell? What do, what do I do wrong? Am I doing it right? I love being 40 and single. Everybody else is bitching about being 40 and single. But for you, it may just be exactly where you want to be. And for others, you may be going, but I need more. I need more. I need more. So what are you supposed to do? Well, maybe you're supposed to pick up a new book that's just come out about being 40 single gay and learn from today's guest. His name is Jonathan Lee, and he's an indie author and a counselor. He's actually training as a life coach, and he has been doing a lot of care for other people in his world. And I think we're going to learn that some of what he is doing for other people, he did for himself by getting this book out there in the world. Again, the book is called 40 Single Gay, and he's hailing all the way from across the pond in the UK. Jonathan Lee, I'm so excited to have you here, man. Thank you for coming and being part of 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk. So welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Really good to be here. Uh, very excited. So you're not really single. You just wrote the book about being single. And No, nope, I'm absolutely single. Um, so basically, my story is that about a week before turning 40, um, I was dumped by my boyfriend um, and it was made kind of catastrophic, um, kind of catastrophic, well, I can't say the word, it was made worse um, by the fact that um, it was whilst we were having sex was, was when he kind of used it, you know, chose that moment to, to break up with me. That's a, that's quite, <laughs> I'm like, well, that kind of just kills the mood right then and there, I would say. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. so I think all of that combined kind of, um, yeah, it, it kind of, um, it, well, the, the start of my 40th was, was a bit shit, as you can kind of imagine. Um, but actually, there was a lot of growing that took place in that, a lot of kind of reflection over what is actually important to me. Um, mm -hmm. What did I want my life to, to, to be, you know, to look like? Um, and yeah, and, and that, that kind of journey, I suppose. And that's what that book kind of documents, right from me waking up on my 40th birthday, really not wanting to celebrate, you know, kind of thinking this isn't where I wanted to be in, in my life. It was, you know, I was in a single bed in my mum's, you know, kind of um, uh, house um, and, and not having the uh, assortment of presents that I, I expected from my dreamy boyfriend mm. um, who literally kind of dumped me, yeah, less than a week before. Mm. We have something in common. Not the same exact story, but um, okay. as soon as you said in a single bed in your mum's house, uh -huh. It took me back to right after I came out of the closet, um, you know, my wife said, get out, you know, all this sort of stuff. And yeah. I, I mean, initially I was like, ah, that's fine. I get it. And all this stuff. I went to stay with my brother, which was a whole different story. But what you just described, I ended up at a friend's house and she had an extra bedroom and it was mm -hmm. a small single bed. And it was right by windows and I, I could never sleep because there was a street lamp out there. And I just remember thinking, oh, so this is my life. 
this is my life. Wow. So glad I came out of the closet, you know? And as soon as you said that, I hadn't, honestly, Jonathan, I hadn't felt that feeling in a long time. So, you know, shame. No, I'm kidding. No, that's because I shame on you for making me feel that. But I can only imagine like life turns inside out, upside down, you know? So there you ended up with mom. So what started to like, I mean, you had to be feeling like so many different emotions. So kind of take us into some of that. Yeah, well, the, the the bit with mum was I, I was just there on holiday, so I had my own flat to kind of go back okay. to. Okay, well, that's um, good. But yeah, but it, it was something like it was, you know, my my birthday where you know the, cent- the everyone's um, attention is on me, you know, and and normally I would thrive in that environment. Um, but the fact is, is that I didn't want to be around anybody um, mm-hmm. because I completely felt side bombed by, um, yeah, by, by by that breakup and and by hearing the words that I wasn't enough for the person that I was only seventy percent of what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that plus the fact that I just turned forty, that kind of milestone kind of age in, in people's life. Um, those two things combined, I, I really struggled to, to come to terms with it. Um, and I suppose a bit about it happening whilst we were having sex. Um, so, yeah, so, so the three things, um, yeah, kind of made it, um, yeah, quite a, quite a big thing, really, to kind of get my head around. Well, it's tough because when something big like that happens, so I didn't have, my 40th was pretty cool. I was like really good. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of release because, it was so soon after I came out of the closet, there was a moment at the party that my parents actually showed up, which were not embracing at the time, but just having them show up. So that was probably one of the biggest things like, hey, mom and mom and dad actually did show up for the party, right? My 50s, whole different ballgame. My 50s, it was suddenly like, okay, I'm turning 50. My youngest daughter is starting high school. My oldest daughter is going off to college. And it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Everything was landing at the same exact time. I didn't know what to do with myself. And I had, so for me, I had never, age had never been like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking about, I'm, you know, it's weighing on my head, but I guess underneath all that, it had been there. So I'm curious, building up to your forties was 40, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I can't believe I'm going to be 40. What am I going to do? Was that those sort of thoughts already going through your mind or was it not a big like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm turning 40? Yeah, I don't know if it was actually. I think I was um, I was probably quite accepting of the fact about it being 40. But I think then mm-hmm. because I recently split up with my partner, it just became something different, you know, and, and I think it was um, a realisation um, that I was on my own. And actually where I am now, I'm 42 now, and, and just thinking about your introduction about kind of, um, you know, people who, who might be feeling that they're always going to be single. I'm in a completely different, you know, kind of part of my life. And actually I, I like being single and I've got no um, kind of desire to, to kind of get with anyone at the moment, which is quite a new thing um, because mm-hmm. I've literally um, went from having a relationship when I was 20, my first proper relationship, um, that was a civil partnership and that was 15 years we were together and then and then I was only um, on my own for about a year before then meeting someone else and then went into another relationship into another relationship so I'd pretty much been on my um, been with someone for all of my adult life um, and I think the grieving that took place when I was 40 
wasn't just about the the two-year relationship that ended I think actually it was more about that civil partnership um, which at the time it felt very natural um, and I'm still really good friends with him now um, but yeah I, I I don't think it was just about that one event alone and, and mm. I guess that's common with lots of things isn't it where you, you have a trigger and that, that kind of brings up other stuff um, so yeah that was um, yeah that was how it was for me well, and I think a lot of guys, and I'm not knocking anybody, there's certain milestones and it doesn't have to be like a, a decade milestone. I was talking to a friend of mine who's like, oh my gosh, I'm turning 47. It's such a big thing. I was kind of like 47. What, what is it? But for that, for him, there's a significance there for some reason, you know? And he said, you know, it's like, that means I've only got three years till I'm 50. I'm like, yeah. So then in three years, you'll be 50. And then what? And that was when I kind of, it was kind of the wake up call to what I said to him. He's like, oh, okay, I hear you, right? I hear you, I see you, I feel you. But I think the thing for most of us as gay men is we do kind of move along. So you talked about you being in a longer term relationship in your 20s and then a short period. And then again, I was in a 13 year relationship with my ex-wife and then, you know, boom, boom, boom. There wasn't a lot of time and I was jumping in and trying to have relationships, trying to have relationships. And then I finally said, done. You know, and then my husband showed up and we've been together now going on 22 years. Mm. I don't think sometimes we as gay men give ourselves the breath. Like I consider what you just shared. You're, you're in the breath. You're giving yourself the breath right now to go. I'm good with me. I'm good with yeah. me. I'm good uh -huh. with trying to figure out, do I want to date? Do I not want to date? Do I want to just hook up? Do I want to hook up? Mm -hmm. Do I want to just be with friends? Not be, I mean, the breath is such a beautiful space. So I'm curious what have you been learning now that you've been giving yourself some room to breathe, so to speak? Um, I think the biggest thing I've learned is about friendship, actually, um, because I um, I was an introvert. Well, actually, I, I was struggling with my sexuality at school um, and then deliberately chose a college which was um, different to what, what all of my friends had chosen because I, I, you know what I, mean? I started to feel different to them and, and it just felt easier to... to go somewhere where they weren't going to be right. um not that I then became myself there right do you know what I mean because within college right. I, I wasn't there at the time so then I just kind of was a bit of a loner um and then went to university but didn't really kind of party do you know what I mean I wasn't out and then I met my long-term partner of 15 years and we were both introverts we didn't go out we lived in this little bubble which was completely fine before until that popped and then yeah, I, I once had the realisation or, or kind of the thought, who would be at my funeral kind of if I died today? And I couldn't imagine that many people, you know, kind of sat around. Um, and that's when I kind of thought the focus needs to be about kind of, yeah, have me, you know, finding actual meaningful connections with people and those kind of friendships. Um, I've, I've heard your podcast and I've, I think it's what you refer to as kind of community. And I hadn't actually experienced that as a gay man at 40. Um, I have now and, and just simple things like, you know, throwing a dinner party and having kind of, you know, kind of friends around and, you know, um, you know, sharing kind of, you know, um, hookups stories which have gone wrong and and there's been right. plenty of those as well which I've kind of um, talked about in the book and that I've experienced in that kind of 40th year um, but I think that's one of the big things I've learned to, uh, about I think about being 
not being dependent on a partner or a loved one. It's about kind of having a wider network of friends so that you've yep. kind of got that support. You've got that kind of, you know, people to laugh with, to share a bottle of wine with. Um, that's probably been the biggest thing that I've learned. So this is something that comes up all the time and you alluded to, you've listened to my podcast. This is one of the biggest problems I hear from gay men all the time mm -hmm. is it's so hard to create friendships. It's just so difficult. Has that been your experience? Yes and no. Um, so I think initially what I did, and, and I expect this is again, what a lot of people do is I was using kind of grinder or, or other kind of, um, you know, kind of dating apps yep. and, I think it was I, I, it was my quest for um, a connection, but it, it was easier to 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 do something sexually. Do you know what I mean? To kind of make yep. that sexual connection than to do anything emotionally. Um, but having said that, through Grinder, you know, and, and actually as a, you know, a hookup where it it was fine, but do you know what I mean? There wasn't any longer term thing there. I have met a few good friends who are still friends now. Um, mm. And then there's others who I've met again um, through a, a dating app, but kind of it was very clear there was no connection, you know, so we just right. kind of stayed friends. And then that opens doors to others because, you know, you've, you know, like you've suddenly got um, friends that they know as well who kind of form part of, of your friendship. Um, so I think that's certainly how I made most, most of my friends. Um, I did try various kind of hobbies. Um, so I went pole dancing, um, <laughs> but I was completely useless at it. I was just this big lump around a pole. Um, I watched out, oh, I tried um, rock climbing at one point, um, but found it quite embarrassing when the six year old girl next to me kind of, you know, kind of was, was faster. Um, so that was even being on a child's wall, like, do you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, and, and actually recently I went bowling, which, um, and it's, uh, I don't know if it's just a UK thing, but Bath City bowlers. Um, and it's a really, I, I remember the first time I went, I was dreading it, thinking, like, how many of the people there have I slept with? You know, there, there's that kind of right. worry. It, um, and it's kind of like the grinder grid coming to life in <laughs> terms of seeing all these faces that you recognise. <laughs> But it was such a, a laid back, such a lovely group of people. And it wasn't about, you know, trying to hook up or, or have sex. Mm, and it was mm -hmm. just, you know, genuinely, um, you know, everyone all there for the same purpose in terms right. of just wanting to, to kind of have a good time. And then you go for a drink after that. And that's how you then talk to people and, and again, make friends. So, yeah, I think it is hard, but I think there, there's lots of possibilities out there for people. Well, I think that's the thing is so many gay men... And again, I'm generalizing here, guys, so don't throw don't throw rocks at me right now. But I think so many gay men don't put themselves out there. They expect friends uh -huh. to come to them or they go try one or two things like, yeah, that didn't work. Nope, that didn't work. And mm -hmm. it's a multi-pronged approach. I mean, I'm a marketing guy. So it's like, well, you got to have so many marketing touch points before somebody buys the product, right? Well, it's kind of the same way in friendships. I think you have to try things. Yeah. I mean... Uh, we, my husband and I try lots of things and we struggle right now to create some good long lasting friendships too. We happen to be in a very small, small city in California. I wouldn't even consider it a city, a small town. And so the gay population is very small, but we hike, we go wine tasting. We like going to the beach. We like travel. We go to the movies. We like theater and we put ourselves out there quite a bit. And we still can't find the kind of friends. I shouldn't say we can't. We have some small, very small circle of friends. But then I hear other guys 
they're like, yeah, I couldn't do that. No, I couldn't do that. No, I couldn't do that. I'm like, well, if everything is, you couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. I'm not saying there's not a pathway to friendship, but you got to find something that you can do to start to put it yourself out there. And you can't just wait for the phone to ring or wait for the app to bring you a friend. And I do Mm -hmm. know a lot of gay men depend on grinder scruff, you name it, whatever it might be. And I'm not saying you can't because we've met some very nice guys through that as well. But if that's your only avenue, I think you're going to be strongly disappointed a, and how long it takes to create really good friendship. So, yeah, I think that's almost like a default that we've kind of fallen to. But I think I'm just, as you were talking then, I was reminded to that first feeling when I first used Grinder and, and had a hookup. And do you know what I mean? And it's that kind of, the, the, that fear, excitement, and it's almost like the same emotions that you feel. Um, and I think it's something similar in terms of just trying different things, you know, and, and if that's what you're wanting to do, then it's just about, just doing it yeah what are some of the funniest things you've uncovered now that you like okay here i am 40 and single i mean besides pole dancing and, and young six-year-olds being better mark- <laughs> mountain climbers than you are what's some other interesting funny things you've discovered you know in your quest for like okay here i am 40 and single and gay well the, the funny things are probably some of the hookups which kind of went wrong um so i kind of thought i'm gonna try different things um and my, my that long-term relationship that I talked about um it was fairly vanilla I suppose in terms of you know kind of what we did um and yeah so I kind of thought right well let, you know let's experiment let's kind of try try a few different things so I met a guy who had this pant fetish who wanted me to try on various different kind of underwear um <laughs> which I didn't really get anything out of it, but kind of, you know, went along with it because, right. you know, it was the polite thing to do. He had kind of traveled 20 minutes to, to kind of come to visit me. Um, so, yeah. And, and then um, he stole all of my pants <laughs> at the end. So yeah, he asked to use my bathroom and, and then kind of, as I was, you know, doing other things and yeah, kind of found at the end that he'd kind of, um, you know, stolen them all. Um, I met up with a guy who was, I guess he would kind of describe himself as a bit of a kind of Dom master. Um, so I thought I'll, I'll try the whole kind of Dom sub thing. Um, but he, yeah, I, I, he, he, I hope I'm not going into too much detail. No, not at all. No, this is, this is the stuff we need to (laughs) share so that people like, okay, I'm not alone. I've done silly, stupid, uh funny things too. Yeah. So he was wanting me to wear this, uh, do you call it a chastity kind of cage? Um, which I did, but I was really worried about the the hygiene of it all. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm a bit OCD at the time. So, um, and then he got me to wear this great big chain, which I felt really uncomfortable in. And I thought, what purpose is this kind of serving me? Um, And he also had kind of bad breath, but you can't really tell a Don Master that they've kind of of got bad breath. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah so, so it was um, a bit of an unusual kind of um meet really where yeah um I, I you I, well, I'm going to go into it now in the book it talks about how I ended that meet quite quickly mm. um yeah by getting him to but so many of those things Jonathan as you're sharing these things so many of those things I can tell just by the way you're sharing them and obviously you mm. put them into the book also gave you a great insight into yourself I would assume 
you started to see bits of yourself that you're like so much more appreciative of, I would assume. Yeah, well, I, I again, I think I'm in a different place now to where I was then. Um, it's probably fair to say I'm a bit of a people pleaser, <laughs> which kind of comes across in sex as well as kind of other aspects. Um, yeah, but I, I guess within that, it was me trying to, um, you know, experiment, it was trying, you know, trying to do different things. Right. Um, yeah, but I think now I'm more kind of, well, I hope to think I'm more grounded. Not mm. that there's anything wrong in, in those type of hookups. And actually, you know, right. it's, yeah, I kind of feel what happens in the privacy of people's homes is, is completely up to them. And also we never, we don't know what goes on with, behind other people's homes as well. You know, it's kind of, um, yeah. So, you know, each to their own, I kind of think. But it, but it is an interesting thing as we start to like have these experiences mm. and then whether we share them through a book or with individuals like, oh, here, suddenly somebody's like, well, let me tell you what happened to me. And then suddenly it's like, <laughs> and, then let me yes. tell you. and suddenly we're like, okay, I'm not as alone as I thought I was in weird things, funny things happening. But I also found for me, the more that I allowed myself to see those things and step away. And like you, it, it was, oh, every, every day, there's something new I see from something that happened in the past. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. get that. Totally understand it now. But it also opened me up to be so much more accepting of myself mm -hmm. and accepting of my own vulnerabilities, you know, Absolutely. and, to, and yeah. to see like, okay, it's okay for me to like, I remember the first time I was like, and this was in the year before I met my husband, where I was literally like really, truly being alone. And I quit apologizing for wanting to be alone. Mm. Oh, no, I just really want to be by myself. I know I probably should hang out with you because, okay, hello, people pleasers anonymous right there with you, buddy. Mm -hmm. um, I would apologize to friends for like, no, I really want to go spend some time alone. But I know you'd really, I really appreciate you wanting to be with me. And I feel bad that you want to do this. And I'm not. And finally, I just got, yeah, yeah, I'm not available. I'm, I'm just going to be with myself. And I, I got to the place where there was, that was it. I'm just going to go be with mm -hmm. myself tonight. And it was always interesting to how many times I would say that. And somebody else would say, really? How can you stand to be by yourself? And that was actually the beginning of me starting to understand how mm -hmm. many people, but especially gay men, they don't know how to be with themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't know mm -hmm. how to be alone. Not lonely. Lonely is a different yeah, piece. Yeah. But uh -huh. to be alone with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what I've seen of your book and everything, there's a big piece of first being able to see yourself and laugh at yourself. But even what as you've been talking, I'm hearing and feeling that energy of you're really like embracing the like, I can be with myself. And that had to yeah. be a big journey, too. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've always been able to, uh, I think a bit like you, I, I do like my own space at times. And actually, every so often, I need to have that kind of quiet time where I'm not socializing with anybody. Um, but I think that the, it was that more about that feeling of needing to be in a relationship. And, mm -hmm. and um, I struggled with, um, I called him Adam in the book, who's um, the, you know, the person who um, dumped me at, at 40. Although actually the, the more distance it is, the, I, I no longer like re referring to it as being dumped and, and the relationship broke up. But I, I, you know what I mean? I think that's reflective of, of where I was mm -hmm. at that point in terms of, you know, um, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, yeah, oh yeah, and, and he, 
I, I really struggled with the fact that he moved on so quickly after the relationship. Um, so basically, I was intrigued to think, actually, I wonder if you're kind of online. Um, and so I um, created a, a fake profile um, so that I could just, you know, go online to see if he was kind of there. And, and yes, he was. And um, I then took it a couple of steps further in, in, in that I, it became an obsession for me. Um, in terms of just watching his whereabouts and, and I would be imagining every time um well I would see him move along the kind of grid and then I, I would know he's kind of on a hookup and you know and, and when he wasn't I would imagine him kind of just you know having this you know explicit um sex text exchange with with somebody um right. and and that was awful do you know what I mean and and, and it, mm -hmm. but it was all self-inflicted I don't know why I, I kind of did that um yeah, and and there was something about maybe thinking that he had moved on in, with his life, so I felt like I needed to move on as well. And I wonder if it's about how that's viewed by other people is being in a relationship is how you've moved on, you know, or, or you've completed something if you've got you know if you're with someone, um, you know. Quite often, I don't think this has happened recently, but you know you might say to someone you're single and then you might get an ah oh, you know kind of like right. hello bye whereas actually it's it's a great thing to be single and mm -hmm. you know and, and I've I think about how much time I've kind of wasted in the last kind of probably the last four or five years um either in a relationship which was actually probably quite toxic but I just didn't realize at the time or upset you know being obsessed about the end of that relationship whereas now is the first time ever i think where i'm actually really embracing being single and 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 i you know what i mean and, and it's not a transitional period for me if i meet someone great um but that's not what my sole objective is whereas i think previously it had been yeah it's a it's a different space in fact mm. one of the one of the guys that i dated dumped me very quickly and right. it's interesting that you say you you said that's when we broke up. Yeah. Years later, now I can say, well, yeah, one of the guys that broke my heart the most, who actually released me to be mm -hmm. who I am. I don't even call it a breakup anymore. It's like he released yeah. me to go be more of who I am. And sure, at the moment it hurt because I was so, I mean, I know it was a codependency. Like I'm such a people pleaser that it's like, well, I did this and I did this and I did this. Why doesn't he love me? You know? And, and that's a whole thing I've had to work through in my whole world of like, you know, having this quote codependency on guys and looking at a guy and going, Oh, if I do this, I do this, I do this. Then what am I going to get back in return? But I also am so glad I see that piece of myself now. That's like, that's your danger zone, Rick. When you're trying mm -hmm. to give, give, give so much to somebody for that hopeful, hopeful attention back, that's not a healthy space for you. That's yeah. a space where you are going to get yourself hurt, but they're not doing the hurt. You're actually the one doing the hurt because you're putting mm -hmm. a false expectation in front of here's what they should be giving back to me, which you don't even know if they're capable of doing that. So it's an interesting, some people say, oh, that's a daddy syndrome. I'm like kind of sort of, but I've learned it in so many different ways about people in general, because it's not just men. There's certain women in my world too, that I've seen that mm -hmm. same thing transpire with. So it's an interesting phenomena when you see yourself do this stuff and then you can yeah. it's the self-awareness piece that's where the self-awareness starts to really yeah. beautifully show up mm -hmm. and give you those moments of truth that you can appreciate 
Absolutely. And I feel like I'm still working my way through those. And, and until I've done that, am I going to be ready to, to date anyone again? Well, um, but that's the thing is giving yourself, even what you just said, Jonathan, I'm still working myself through this. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful self-awareness right there. I'm mm-hmm. still working myself through this. I'm acknowledging that this is where I am. And as I coach men through various things, like, I mean, a lot of guys coming out of the closet, but then, well, how do I start dating? And then guys come to me like I'm stuck in this space in my job and, you know, all this. It's the perception of where you believe you are and that you can be nowhere else. That is what's got to get changed. And Mm -hmm. I think you just, I mean, just putting the book out there. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like its own interesting, like burying your soul and going, okay. And I I was going to say this earlier, but I think I'll bring it up right now is for somebody who's somewhat introverted and then to put your, your story out there in a book, that's a big reveal. That's a big push in and of itself. Yeah, I guess so. I did, yeah, I mean, I didn't write it with the intention of publishing it. Um, it was my form of therapy. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was trying to just make sense of these feelings which I had. Um, and then obviously it's been kind of edited and, and kind of formatted in, 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 into a book. Um, but yeah, but, and I think because of, because I didn't intend it to be, you know, kind of heard by others, um, it, it's it, everything's in there. Do you know what I mean? You know, there's, um, it, yeah, incredible kind of vulnerability, I suppose. Um, but there's a part of me that worries that because of the book, I'm, I'm always going to be single now um, because I don't really kind of sell myself. Um, we, we touched on it at the start, but we didn't go into detail in terms of why Adam broke up with me, um, you know, whilst having sex. Um, and the reason is because um, I'd lost my erection. And that led him to kind of say, well, what's going on here? And, and then kind of that's when it all kind of happened. So I kind of start with that. And then I'm kind of, you know, got this obsessional behavior for about three months where I'm constantly following him on Grindr. Um, I actually have a conversation with him and that's kind of like documented. Right. Um, which leads to me um, as somebody else, obviously it's a fake profile and I actually arrange a hookup with him and send him to a complete stranger's house. Um, it's got the kind of anger and that kind of grief that I was going through where I literally couldn't, well, I couldn't, um, eat at the dining room table, you know, I couldn't eat alone. I had to, I, for, you know, for a good kind of three or four months, I either ate on the go or I ate standing up. Um, you know, I couldn't listen to, to just regular music. There's so many kind of love songs on, on the radio. So I, I, you know, the genre was 80s music and that's all I could kind of do. Um, and then kind of pushing my body to extremes in terms of going to the gym, you know, twice a day, um, right. trying to, you know, kind of change my image and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. In terms of not selling myself, though. Um, and then I go into the kind of grinder hookups and, and basically behave like a slut. <laughs> Um, and then, and then that's where that kind of turning point is in ter- you know, and then I realized that actually probably all of that isn't healthy. Um, and I, I focus on, on what is, and, and I go, I go on a holiday with my family where there's lots of kind of learning in terms of, um, appreciating them more, which I've kind of previously not done. And I'd, I'd always felt like the odd one out in my family. Um, I go on a holiday on my own, which I've never done before. Um, mm. I've never eating in a restaurant on my own so kind of you know all of that new experiences um and then I went on a holiday with friends which was 
you know, just complete fun. And it was that kind of club 18 to 30 holiday, which I never had at 18 because I was that kind of shy, introverted child. Um, and then moving into the hobbies and stuff like that. But I think because of that first part of the book, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I might always be single now. I don't know. Again, what you're reflecting out through your work and putting yourself out there. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a pretty big energy and I, I've definitely liked being in the spotlight, but there's a piece of me that's an introvert and people are shocked when I say that. It's like, no, there's, there's yeah. parts of me. Like I just, I need to like, especially like if I come off of a stage after speaking or something, I'm like, I need, I need some time before I go, like, go do this because I like the attention. I'm a Leo. So I like the spotlight. But there's mm -hmm. also another side that's like, and I also need my quiet space. But I also know that sharing who we are. I mean, when I wrote my first book, there's a lot of vulnerability about the truth of me being a serial cheater and all this sort of stuff. It's mm. not pretty stuff to talk about, right? But as you said, I, that book started for me as like my own therapy, right? And then I'm like, yeah. wait, there's some, mm. there's some stuff here that just needs to get said, you know? So I'm glad to see that somebody has taken like a slice of their life and said, yeah. here in my forties, here's what happened. And here's what it's like for me to be a single, you know, gay 40 year old male and sharing your truths about how you feel, what you see, what you've done, and even what you're learning. And it's, and mm -hmm. as you said, it's not done. This is just mm -hmm. the beginning. If I, if I could capture, you know, what I've learned from coming out my forties, now my fifties and about to enter my sixties, there's lots of stuff I would share. I just mm -hmm. happen to like go, okay, well, I'm doing it through other mediums now. I mean, that's the beauty of it. So, um, so do you think you'll write another book or is this like, yeah, that was a good thing. I checked that off my list and there we go. Um, I didn't plan to, but there's a, yeah, since, since um you know kind of releasing it there has been a few other kind of uh, quite comical things and, and other yeah so i have i have started i think it might be either 42 or 43 single gay um so yeah so that that's already um i think i've done about ten thousand words so yeah i, I think I, I will continue with that and then it, you know at some point i mean i i Everybody who's listened knows I have a second book that's out, ready to like potential or not out. It's written, ready to like go mm -hmm. put out there. You will find that, hey, maybe after you do another one, you're like, mm, I don't know. And you may go, yeah, this is my thing. This is what I love doing. This is what, I, you know, how I enjoy life. And, you know, you said before we came on the interview, even if only one person reads a book, that's okay. You know, yeah. I've, I, I always look at my podcasts and everything that I do. It's like stuff I put out there. And if I get responses, great. If I don't, that's okay too. I got yeah, something yeah. out. Like I recorded a video this morning that I was kind of on my soapbox about, mm -hmm. you know, all that LGBTQ plus hate that's out in the world these days. And I don't, I don't care if nobody responds to it. I just mm -hmm. needed to get it out of myself. I needed to get it out. I needed to say what needed to be said. And I felt so much better. You know, was I yeah, planning on that yeah. video today for it? Not necessarily. It's been rolling around in my head for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think that's the beauty of what you've done here, Jonathan, is you put yourself out there. You've given some other people like insight, like, again, I'm going to say it. You're not alone. Yeah, We're all trying absolutely. to figure this out. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's what I've, the, of the kind of feedback and the comments and, and the reviews that I've had um, is about it being very relatable. 
Um, and what's been lovely is, is where people who have recently gone through a breakup and they've said it's really helped them kind of normalize what they were going through. Um, and I've had other comments where they've kind of, people have said, actually, I've, after reading your book, I've deleted Grindr. Um, I've realized mm. how unhealthy their relationship was through, through my, the observations that I made and, and the reflections, you know, on, on which, you know, which I had, um, you know, and just thinking how much energy and time I, I would sometimes spend on, on that app, other dating apps as well, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, and, and, and then it's kind of led others to, to kind of think about that. So yeah, so that's been really lovely to, to kind of hear. Very cool. Well, I'm so glad you put it out in the world. I'm so glad our paths crossed where we could have this conversation today. And um, I hope some of the guys that are listening, they're like, yeah, this, this makes sense to me and that they pick up the book and read it and get to know you. And we'll have all the ways to contact Jonathan, get the book, all that stuff on the page. Is there any other like little tidbit that you'd like to leave with the audience about what you've learned about yourself through this phase or writing the book that you'd like to leave them with before we wrap up everything here? Um, I think let's end by saying that I think the, the biggest thing I learned is that you don't need the love of another person to actually love yourself. Mm. Um, and I think that's where I got to at the, yeah, at it, you know, it's at the end of the book and it's at the end of my, yeah, the 40th year, um, that realization that you don't actually need to, to, to be in a relationship with anyone it's you know you, you can have that fulfilling life um mm-hmm. on your own amen amen mm-hmm. thank you and it takes a while to learn that honestly mm-hmm. and, and sometimes mm-hmm. you got to relearn it over and over and over again it'd be interesting as you start to unpack whatever's next for you and you get into another mm-hmm. relationship to see how often that might come up and especially because you're people pleaser like me, it's like, okay, well, yeah. let's do that. And then like, wait, 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 am I doing this because I feel like I need that to be loved by them? Or am I doing this because I just want to do that? That's just who I am. So, um, well, thank you again, Jonathan, for being part of this and sharing your, your story with other gay men over 40 and showing them that, Hey, we're more in this together than we are apart. So thanks again, mate, for being here and oh, sharing pleasure. your book and your story. Thank you. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.